episode 16, The Mend Podcast. It's your host, Joe Roder here, brought to you by The Reds Fly Shop. I'm just sticking with the boring intro. I don't have any flashy walk-up music or anything like that. So, thanks for listening, despite no catchy tunes, uh, no hip-hop in the beginning to get you all fired up. Just hopefully bringing some good content to you, uh, laying down some good knowledge to help make you a better angler, catch more fish, have a better time, and uh, make some memories. So, uh, episode 16, trying out this question and answer format, I think I like it. Uh, makes the content real, genuine, and... Uh, Helpful, so <clears throat> chances are somebody's asking it. Somebody else wants to know about it. A uh, couple of orders of business first. Uh, number one, thanks for listening. Uh, I got a prom- promo code uh, for anybody who needs to pick up any gear uh, just for podcasters uh, this week, and that's going to be Podcast 16. Just put that in on our online store. Uh, our online store URL is redsflyfishing.com. Throw that in there, you get 10% off your order. Uh, that promo will go, gosh, about a week if you miss it. Uh, just listen to a future podcast, and uh, I'll throw those out from time to time. Love to have your business. Not going to lie to you. I'm trying to sell some stuff. Uh, the other thing that I want to mention to you is Red's Rendezvous 9. Ninth annual Red's Rendezvous. Dates are on the calendar. That's coming up in a short three months, and it's going to come up fast. That's going to be April 20th, 21st, and 22nd. Uh, For those that have been there before, it's awesome. It's just kind of a big celebration of fly fishing on that Saturday of that weekend. There will be lots of presentations and seminars. Uh, That's all free to the public. There's a casting competition, lots of family-oriented stuff, beginner stuff, some stuff uh, exclusively geared towards kids, towards ladies. The other thing that we're doing that weekend is we're doing kind of a monumental uh, river recreation clinic that's free where you can come and learn how to put together a safe float on the Yakima River. And we actually put uh, those who show up in a raft, float you down the river, and uh, just give you a short taste of what it's like to kind of pilot your own do-it-yourself float. And that's not necessarily fishing-oriented floating. You might uh, be interested in kayaking or or taking a canoe or a raft or whatever, but we want to teach you where to start, where to stop, and kind of what the typical hazards are and what a day looks like. So doing that is kind of a public service. Uh, the other thing we got going on here coming up is we're going to be at uh, the trade show circuit in the Pacific Northwest. If you live in the, the Northwest or the West, uh, come see us at either uh, Portland, which I believe is February 7th to the 11th, uh, the Puyallup Sportsman Show, which is like uh, January 23rd through the 28th-ish, the Fly Fishing Show in Linwood, Washington, just outside Seattle there, is February 17th and 18th, and we're going to be in uh, the Tri-Cities region, that's southeast Washington, uh, this upcoming weekend. So come visit with our staff. I'll be there for a few of those days. There's going to be some great seminars that Reds is putting on there. Great opportunity to chat with us uh, directly and and learn. So it's starting to warm up. The days are getting longer. It is time to start thinking about fishing. Uh, I was doing the office thing yesterday, taking care of just some planning for our upcoming guide season and making sure our guides are ready and uh, kind of making sure that we're all ready to go, getting everybody scheduled out. But I'm just pretty stoked. My travel schedule this year, I put together a couple of great trips. And uh, other than, well, I guess I got two trips that are a little bit more expensive. But I have done a pretty good job of being able to find pretty cheap trips to go do. And uh, I got my my uh, flights booked for a trip to Baja uh, yesterday. And I'm just so stoked about that. The last day I was down there, I had just a killer day of Dorado fishing. I mean, it was like... All the stars and the, and the or the, all the planets in the galaxy aligned for me, and I caught 33 Dorado on my uh, last day down there. It was absolutely epic. But I got my trip planned there, and Baja is not a super expensive place to go. Um, it's easy. You can do some vacationing while you're down there. It's beautiful. You can eco tour. But uh, I'm pretty excited about that. 
and uh, I got a trip planned, uh, do-it-yourself trip planned to uh, BC for Steelhead on the Skeena system for this fall that is just, it's kind of doing my own food and lodging and uh, getting a guide for a couple of days and then doing some do-it-yourself fishing for a few days. So I got that planned. So pretty stoked about that. If you haven't laid out a few plans to go do some trips, uh, start thinking about that right now. I mean, now's the time to start browsing around and and, uh, get hooked up with a couple of those trips and uh, start throwing some dates on the calendar because chances are if you're busy, it's not going to happen unless you get them planned out. So uh, anyway, pretty excited about that. Uh, and the days are getting longer, man. We're we're already fishing here. Uh, ice off has happened, so we're looking at pretty mild conditions this upcoming week. I'm looking at getting a uh, trout rod in my hand here in the next few days and getting after it. So let's get down to it. Uh, we're going to do some question and answer, and then I'm going to get into the real uh, gist of today's podcast, and that's going to be just chatting out this spay versus switch line versus trout spay line thing and trying to help make sense of some of that. It is utterly confusing trying to purchase lines for two-handed rods. There's lots of options. It doesn't have to be that confusing. <clears throat> it's uh, I won't say it's simple, but I can help uh, kind of dissect that for you. So let's do a few questions, and then we'll get into that. And uh, my last question, uh, we'll kind of lead into that. So first question's from from Les B. Uh, Les uh, popped up on our Facebook feed and said, Hey, I'm confused on when do I mend upstream and when do I mend downstream? These are great questions. I'm a great question. I'm going to touch on it, but I'm also going to uh, refer Les back to it. We did a podcast and... Uh, Let me, I can't recall which episode number it was, but it was an episode that I did, uh, with one of my co-partners and managers here at Reds, uh, Steve Joyce. And that was actually episode six. We uploaded that in June this last year. And it's just all about the mend. And, uh, you can listen to that and there may be a good definition in there, but generally you're going to mend upstream when you're, we're going to speak initially on dead drifting flies. And that could be dry fly fishing or nymphing or dead drifting a streamer for that matter. But you're going to mend upstream when you cast across faster currents to slower currents. So that's going to happen very commonly from a moving drift boat or an anchored drift boat. If you're casting towards the shoreline, that's going to be really common. Uh, the other situation is going to be common in when you're on a smaller river and you're fishing over the center of the, the stream to an opposing seam. So small to mid-sized river, you're casting long and you're casting across to seam lines on the other side. That's when you're going to mend upstream very vigorously. You shouldn't have to mend upstream or really mend much at all most of the time when you're fishing, working your way upstream. You should stand in a position and cast to an angle that gives you neutrality where your your fly and your line work together and come back in a very natural fashion back towards you. So that's going to be the example of that's going to be just inside corners. And when you're casting across slower water to faster water, uh, you're either going to be at a point of neutrality. Uh, if you get out and you're casting into where there's extreme differences and you're casting into faster water across slower water, then you're going to bend downstream. And I want you to think of it like this. Your line needs to be able to keep up with your indicator. So if your indicator is in faster water, hey, my line's got to be able to keep up or it's going to slow it down. So I need to advance my line's position downstream and help my line keep up. Those are your mended downstream situations. So uh, hopefully that helps. Casting across faster water to slower water, you're thinking about an upstream mend. Casting across slower water to faster water to downstream mend. Uh, the other tip I want to give folks is for for when you your wade fishing strategy in general, when you're working your way upstream, uh, you're not going to mend much at all. Uh, you're going to work you know upstream. Flies are going to come back towards you for the most part, and you're going to strategize both with your feet and your casting angle to a position of neutrality, no mend. That's the best way to fish that. When you work downstream on a small to mid-sized river and you're casting across faster water to slower water, those are situations you want to work your way downstream. So I usually work a small to mid-sized river um, 
on my my near side going up, and then I will cast all the way across uh, to the opposing seams as I work my way down so that I can throw a downstream angle or an across angle, give it a couple of big upstream mints, and then feed it line and even walk with the drift as I work my way back down uh, stream, perhaps towards my, my vehicle or my starting point. So hopefully that helps. The mend, that's why we call this podcast The Mend. The Mend's critical. All right, uh, next up is Michael P. And uh, Michael P. is just con- he's a little bit confused on choosing grain weights for shooting heads. And it looked like on his uh, post there that he, he sorted it out, but it's a totally worthy question. And I'm going to touch a little bit of this on the main, just the podcast today as well. But what he was asking was when you're calculating the the weight for your shooting head, uh, and this is going to be for primarily two-handed rods, but it could certainly apply to single-handed rods as well. When you're calculating that, you include the weight of the sink tip or the uh, or the poly leader, um, and that's a great question. No, you generally don't. That's going to be assumed. We're just going to say that that's going to be assumed that you're going to use some type of polyliter or weight that's going to correspond to it. So you you get on, say, Rio's website, uh, and you look at Rio's spay line selection chart, you're going to see uh, maybe a recommendation for a 425 grain head. That 425 grain head, you just buy the 425 grain head, and then you're going to go ahead and buy a sink tip that is you know relatively well matched to that 425 grain head or whatever situation that you're in. And I won't get too much into that, but I'm just going to say, no, let's not do any other calculations other than that. Just get the 425 grain head, throw the 425 grain head on there, and match it up with whatever sink tip or polyliter you're going to do. Don't uh, don't derive that in, in any other fashion. Without making that super confusing, I'm just going to say, don't, don't do anything other than <laughs> check the le- line selection chart, get a number that's that's within the the kind of the the range that they recommend there and then buy that exact number and then you can work from there you can tweak that setup with different types of sink tips and polyliters to to fit your rod casting style or need at that point but i would say that's a worthy uh question all right so uh moving on hopefully that helps somebody out there uh the next one is going to be uh ghetto johnny Ghetto Johnny wants to know, he's shopping for smallmouth rods. Gosh, I love smallmouth. That's a date I need to get on my calendar. We have some killer smallmouth fishing uh, in Washington State on the Columbia River system. And uh, you can swing for them with uh, two-handed rods, which is just fantastic fishing. I just absolutely love that. So i uh, got to get my smallmouth dates picked out. Um, okay, so let's dive into this. Ghetto Johnny is looking for a two-handed rod for fish and smallmouth. Uh, he wants to know, uh, he's looking at six, seven, or eight weight. Uh, he's going to be throwing some some heavy crawfish patterns, some clousers, uh, some stuff where he wants to get down, maybe in some current, uh, but he wants to get down to the bottom half of that column. And smallmouth love crawfish, by the way. And I love saying that, crawfish. Uh, they love those crawfish. Uh, my, my boys and I uh, did a bunch of smallmouth fishing uh, this last year, and uh, that's one fish that I do love to keep. Uh, the biologists have told us, they said, man, you want better smallmouth fishing and trophy smallmouth fishing, start keeping smallmouth uh, where I fish. And it's also really good for our uh, migratory steelhead and salmon runs because those smallmouth also prey really heavily on those migratory fry and smolt in the river systems uh, where I fish. So we keep a bunch of those, and they uh, they are awesome, man. We'll make up some fish and chips with those things. And the boys, uh, and I love it too. I totally dweeb out and turn into a kid again on this. But when you clean those smallmouth, you can just you can dissect them and see what their stomach contents are. And uh, man, those things will eat big crawfish. I mean, just it's shocking. Even say a fourteen inch smallmouth, they will eat a, the biggest crawfish you can imagine, and they just choke that thing down. So. They love those things. Uh, so if you're fishing smallmouth, take that as a tip. I've done the research uh, and uh, fish fish crawfish patterns. But he's throwing crawfish and, and clousers, which means he's throwing weight. Uh, he's looking at a Redding, couple of Reddington products, uh, both the Dually and the Cromer. 
Um, I've got plenty of time on both those rods. I can certainly speak to, you know, preference there. Uh, let's go through this, uh, item by item because he had like four really great questions. And first off, I'm going to go six weight all day long on that. Uh, without a doubt, I think the six weight is going to be a much better fit for, uh, for smallmouth. Uh, smallmouth, we're not just trophy hunting when we go smallmouth fishing. We're just going for pure joy. It's exciting. It's fun. We love the way they fight. Uh, with the exception of the five or six pound fish, we're, we're really, it's a low stakes fish. So if we get kind of beat up by a fish and we're undergunned, um, I would much rather have that and still enjoy some of those 10 inch smallmouth. I'm going six weight all day long on that. Uh, that's going to have plenty of range. It's going to handle the big flies if we set the line up properly. So Six weight, uh, he's looking at the dually versus the Cromer. Uh, I'm going Cromer all day on that, uh, dollar for dollar. I just think you're getting a better value. Now, the dually is a great performer. I like the rod. I got no problem without cast. But if somebody's ever asking me and they've, they've removed a budget from the equation, I'm going Cromer all day long. Um, you get exactly what you pay for. Uh, so let's go Cromer on that. It's a fast action rod. It's very good performing. That's why we can play down to a six weight and still not complain about the, the sink tips and the flies we're throwing. The Cromer can handle all that. The next question was uh, Rio switch line versus Rio switch chucker. I love both the lines. I think they're great for a given application. Uh, it's definitely not going to be the switch line. The switch line is really not meant for throwing uh, large weighted flies and sink tips. It's meant for throwing uh, traditional spay flies in a light poly leader, or in my opinion, it's really an indicator line. So I don't think that's our, what we're doing here with this rod. So we're going to choose a different line. And uh, my guess is with smallmouth, there's going to be some strip retrieve from time to time. So we might spay cast this thing and then we might decide we need to strip retrieve it. Uh, he's fishing rivers, so hopefully he can catch these fish swinging most of the time because that's just the most fun, in my opinion. It's just clean. But line-wise, I'm probably doing something a little bit different. I think I'm going to go uh, wolf ambush on this one. I just like the back taper of that wolf ambush a little bit better for if I am going to strip retrieve. I can feed that line back out a little bit faster with that wolf ambush. That chucker's got a much you know, longer, more gradual back taper on it. And without getting into the, the, the details of line geometry, let's go wolf ambush and let's go nine weight wolf ambush triangle taper on that. And let's do the light mo tips. Um, let's get some light mo tips for that thing. I just think the light are going to, they're going to fly through the air better. They're going to turn over the flies you need to turn over. Uh, Let's go with that combo. I think that's going to rock for you. Uh, you're going to have a great time catching smallmouth with that. Uh, and that's the heaviest rod, you know, that I would recommend for a dedicated smallmouth rod. But chances are he's in Ohio. He's going to use this thing for steelhead too at some point. So six weights, good choice. So hopefully that uh, is good prescription for him. And uh, look forward to your order. Use that promo code podcast16. Buy some stuff. That's what I'm here for. Um, and because I love it, I'm not going to lie about that either. Um, let's help Edgar. Edgar's looking for, uh, pretty much the same deal. Um, Edgar's looking for a rod for smallmouth, steelhead, and salmon. Uh, the way I read Edgar's question, it was, he wasn't married to the idea of getting a two-handed rod. So I'm going to go a totally different direction with this. Uh, if it was fly rod Armageddon and there was going to be no more fly rods and I had to choose one for survival, and I've got to catch smallmouth, steelhead, and salmon. And I've got to prowl the banks to feed my family. I am going with an 896 fast action rod. It's going to be a 9.5 foot, 8 weight, single-handed rod. And line-wise, oh boy, I think I'm going with that, the wolf ambush again. I, I'm doing it. I, I just think that line for versatility, if I need to dead drift something, if I need to uh, spay cast it and swing, if I need to, to cast and strip retrieve, I just, I think that line is so great for these versatile situations. And the thing is, it's old fashioned, man. That thing's old school. It was really the first semi skagit. I'll just call it an integrated skagit head. That's really what it acts as. That's um, not going to say that on the box. Um, and some might argue some semantics regarding what constitutes a skagit head but that's really what it acts like it's a shooting headline and we can use skagit style casting tactics to pitch that thing so he didn't 
he he didn't mention what kind of budget range he's got or anything, but in looking at this, I'm choosing one rod that I can fish smallmouth, steelhead, and salmon. And I, like I said, I could swing flies with this. I could strip flies with it. I could dead drift it. I could take it to Alaska and be quite happy. I could uh, smallmouth bass fish out of a boat with it. Um, I could even throw an indicator on this thing and, you know, you know, flop mend it and feed some line if I had to. I just think that's a great, you know, utility setup. And once I've got that, you know, nine and a half foot eight weight or that nine foot eight weight, uh, once I've got that rod, then I could start thinking about two-handed rods later. And maybe Edgar's looking for a two-handed rod and, you know, that last comment was helpful for him. But I'm going eight, nine, six. Uh, I'm going fast action. I'm probably going with like an all-water rod, not a saltwater rod. You know, they don't make saltwater rods that are nine, six commonly, but... I'm going fast action, but I'm going to go all water for sure just because uh, freshwater actions feed line and mend and do that little fishy stuff up close better. So uh, I'm probably going with like Sage X rod uh, would be, you know, my first choice there. And, uh, you know, budget aside, if I'm, you know, on a budget, I'm probably looking at, if I'm on extreme budget on the other end, I'm looking at probably Reddington Vice somewhere in the middle Reddington crux, um, is if you, if Edgar, you're looking for some actual models and such. So hopefully that helps. Um, those be, uh, I think that's going to wrap up question and answer. And then there was a lot of other questions this week and shoot, it seems like, a, you know, a third of the calls we get at the shop, um, involves some type of line selection system, uh, and just speaking to line selection, you know, for those that haven't dabbled with these shooting heads and some of the stuff I'm talking about sounds Greek or Latin, just know that some of those rods that you got or some of the, the rods you've been fishing, you can really breathe some new life into those and really begin to have some fun again by just experimenting with some shooting headlines, especially if you're throwing streamers at all or leeches or doing anything where you strip retrieve. Even even if you're strip retrieving nymphs or swinging soft tackle nymphs and rivers and things like that, it's just a really fun path to go down. It really uh, it really just it makes fly fishing great again. Uh, to use some humor there, but it really does. Um, it, it's it's really uh, expanded um, people's skill set and just does a lot of great things. So um, be thinking about um, adapting even your single handed rods to some type of shooting head line system and uh, and and playing that out. Uh, if you're looking at doing that and picking up an extra reel, by the way, there's, uh, there's a great, uh, product that, uh, Craig that works in, uh, our shipping department. Most of you guys know Craig, he's our token in-house, you know, everything, you know, everything Skagit guru. And we keep him locked up in the basement down there helping people. But he recommends there's a Lamson liquid, uh, reel and spool pack. It's like a three pack where you get a reel and a couple spools for a super great deal. It's not a super expensive setup, but for guys dabbling with multiple shooting heads and things like that, I think it's a great, it's a great, it's a smart purchase if you're going to look for, you know, getting a reel with some extra spools and different lines and things. So let's dive in to the, the meat and potatoes of this podcast and look at Different types of spay, switch, and trout spay line systems. And let me explain some of these different things and the pros and cons of the different types of lines and what categories those lines might fall into. And I've got to be careful because there are landmines and rabbit holes all around me talking about this because I could really go on and on and I'm going to try to keep it super practical. So... The first thing I want to explain is in you know shooting head slash Skagit. We're just going to roll, roll those into one here for our intents and purposes. There's two fundamentally different types of lines. And as far as the construction, there's a modular system and there's an integrated system. Modular systems are essentially you might have a shooting head and that shooting head could be anywhere from 11 to say 23 feet. We're going to talk pretty much all about Skagit stuff today. So those could be anywhere from 11 to 23 feet for different types of rods or applications. Uh, that 11 or 23 foot head is going to connect to a separate running line, which could be made of a couple of different materials. They could be monofilament or it could be more of a traditional, say, vinyl fly line type material. 
but it's a multiple piece system and it's going to be composed of say a tip which could be sinking or floating or a hybrid of sinking floating if it's a real mo tip but it's going to be composed of a tip a head and a running line so essentially three pieces and then you get a, a leader on there so that's a modular system the other one is going to be where the running line and the shooting head are all integrated into one piece and it's all a fly line type material examples of integrated uh, lines would be say a wolf ambush or a scientific anglers spay light would be the two most popular ones that we sell yeah, and that's an integrated system the integrated system uh, should still use a sink tip or floating tip of of some type most of the time uh, it's typically not as essential to have a floating tip on there but it can still carry sink tips or sinking leaders and then i'll explain the difference between those two things at the end of the podcast so we got modular systems versus integrated system well why the hell would you want a modular system that i mean if you're getting into this you're like that just sounds complicated joe i that i don't want that well a modular system is going to let you you experiment with different heads and it also lets you use the same reel and running line so think about that as kind of your base. I've got a reel and running line, and maybe I've got my favorite, you know, hatch or Nautilus, you know, or T-bor reel, and I want to be able to use that on different rods. And say I'm using it on my trout spay rod uh, one day or my steelhead rod, and I want to be able to use it on a different rod. That different rod could potentially require a different head. So for the mere investment of a head, I can take that reel and running line, I can move it around between different rods depending on where I'm going fishing. So it, there's a lot of practicality, especially if you bought some good reels, um, you've invested and you get your favorites there. You can very quickly, I mean, within like less than a minute, I can take one shooting head off, throw another shooting head on, and either one change the, the mojo of that rod completely, or I could move that reel to a different rod. So the, the modular system has, it, there's a lot to be gained there. Um, as you're getting into it, it sounds complicated, sounds stupid. You're like, that's just, it's it's too much. It really is practical if you're going to be moving it around a little bit. So I think, and it's a why you can really make good use of some of your investments, like I said, by moving reels around. So that's the modular system. Uh, cons of the modular system, I discussed some of the pros. Uh, oh, the other pro is you can use monofilament running line which instantly adds 25% to your casting distance, and it makes the tough cast easier. For me, I wrote an entire blog article on this like five years ago, or maybe it was more than that, but monofilament running line really makes the tough cast, the awkward angles when you're wading deep or you got a little wind, it makes those hard casts easier. Just adding 25% to your distance really doesn't mean much to me because I'm not casting for max distance most of the time. Uh, but it makes the tough cast easy. So monofilament running line uh, is used oftentimes with these modular shooting heads. Okay, so those are the those are the pros. The cons are you are going to have a loop to loop connection be- behind your shooting head to the monofilament, and that loop to loop connection, if you plan to strip retrieve your fly and you want to strip it back in. Uh, Maybe you're fishing from a boat occasionally. Maybe you're fishing from the beach and you're going to strip it back in. If you're ever lake fishing, you know, with these heads, which is a great way to go. I I love shooting headlines on lakes. Uh, then the integrated line might be better because that loop-to-loop connection is going to come through your eyelets. And it's not just stripping it in through your eyelets and retrieving it. It's going to be before you make the cast, you need to get that connection back out of your rod. So now you're feeding that loop-to-loop connection back out through your eyelets, and that can be a little bit tedious and annoying. So the integrated head is a much better choice if you are going to be strip retrieving and and actually stripping the line back in. Uh, the downs, uh, oh, the other thing, the other con is that monofilament line, if you decide to go that route, you don't have to with an inter- or a modular head, most people do, but monofilament, especially when it's wet and the lighter poundages, say, you know, 35 pounds or, yeah, 35 pounds on down, anywhere from 25 to 35 pounds, especially when wet and your fingers are a little bit cold, it can be hard to grip. So it slips out of your hands occasionally. It's kind of weird at first. And it may have a little greater tendency to get kinked or coiled. Um, that may or may not be true. 
the other downside to that monofilament running line is if you don't have either a a full frame reel, uh, you you just full frame reel basically doesn't allow the line to get outside the spool. Um, and then most reels are non full frame because it keeps them lighter weight. If you have either a non full frame reel or a reel that's not machined to very tight tolerances, uh, you're going to get what's called pull through, and that's where the the line actually goes and gets gets itself between the spool and the reel frame and starts coming out the back end of the reel and it just does it like magic it is really crazy how it does it so monofilament you probably want a full frame reel uh or you got to take your spool off just takes a second it's not like it's a big process and fix that but it's pretty annoying so that's the other downside to to light monofilament heavier monofilament doesn't have a tendency to do that as much so you get some pull through with that uh Anyway, uh, on to the integrated lines. The integrated lines are great. Uh, up until oh, recently, say two years ago, or maybe even more recently, there wasn't really a great micro Skagit. And I'll explain what micro versus traditional Skagit is here in a second. But on the integrated line system, uh, you've just got a one-piece fly line. Uh, once you put that on a rod or reel, you're not going to be changing out the head. So there is a little bit to be lost on uh, just the lack of mobility if you're going to plan to move your favorite reel around between a couple of different rods it's a little bit more difficult um, lots of upsides to the integrated head uh, very very good utility lines if you had to do a little bit of nymphing on it you could you'd be more effective with an integrated line to be more fun you can strip retrieve them you could theoretically throw a dry fly on it and fish it if you had to it would be a mess that thing would hit the water so hard and aggressively I never, ever, ever uh, encourage dry fly fishing with uh, like an integrated shooting head or integrated Skagit head style line. But if you had to do it, it would be a better choice than a modular system uh, just because there is a little bit greater ability to mend with that vinyl running line and control your line and strip your line in as it's floating back to you or stripping a lot fly in general. So Integrated lines are great for that. Lots of pros. It's uh, certainly a more comfortable transition if you're new to this uh, this Skagit casting game, uh, and and you're going to take say your your fast action nine foot five weight, and you want to start doing some single space stuff. It's it's a great choice. It's a comfortable transition because people are familiar with that line type. Uh, okay, so those are modular versus integrated. Uh, the next thing we're going to talk uh, about. Old school Skagit heads versus these new school, uh, what I call micro Skagit heads. So, and micro could be lightweight or could just be ultra short head. So traditionally Skagit heads were say 23 feet long. I think, uh, I, I think a lot of the original Skagit heads say back in say the oh, early 2000s, um, were 25 feet. Um, most of the ones that I, we sell here that are just your, Standard length gadget heads are going to be 23 feet, but there's a couple of different, you know, permutations to an old, you know, traditional gadget head, and they could be a gadget long or they could be a gadget short. Um, how do you know which one to get? Um, so I'll explain that in just a moment. Micro gadget heads are going to be anything, say, from 16 feet to 11 feet, and obviously there's not, you know, any hard lines that we have to draw between the two, but we're talking, um, just generalizations here. So let's talk old school Skagit first and the pros and cons of old school Skagit versus new school Skagit lines. So old school Skagit lines uh, are, uh, Skagit casting was really born out of the necessity to throw sink tips and weighted flies and be able to shoot semi-great distance. Um, they're not really a distance. They're not built just for distance. That's not really what they are. They're more of a delivery mechanism for sink tips and heavy flies that can, you know, cast reasonable distances. And you can certainly air these things out and cast them a mile. It requires shooting a lot of line in comparison to traditional spay casting with longer heads. But the old, the old school Skagit head has, uh, it's a, has a lot of application. It's what I prefer most of the time for steelheading on larger rivers that are, say, interstate width. Uh, Anything where uh, I, I any anywhere I'm going to have to cast any type of formidable distance with a way to fly, I want a traditional Skagit head. Rio Skagit Max currently is our best seller for traditional Skagit heads. 
So I'm putting uh, traditional Skagit uh, heads on pretty much all of my spay rods. I like 12 and a half a foot six weights. I got a 13 foot six weight I love in a Sage Mod. Uh, if you listen to the last podcast, you'll know that I'm absolutely in love with that rod. Uh, and then I got a 13 foot seven weight uh, Sage X uh, that I absolutely love. That's my kind of my rocket there that I, I throw for big distance. Um, so at least big distance for me. And it gets the job done. So I'm putting uh, old school Skagit lines on all those rods uh, if I'm fishing bigger water. Uh, longer rod equals longer head. Uh, if somebody wants to, to throw some uh, comments up. By the way, if you're going to make comments, put them on redsflyshop.com slash blog so they all kind of land in one place. I, the comments on Podbean and Facebook and stuff are great, but it can be kind of hard to track those. So go to redsflyshop.com and, and slash blog and put any comments you have on there. Uh, but there are there are some formulas on head length versus rod length. I'm not going to share any of those with you. I'm just going to give you some street smarts. Longer rod equals longer head. So if you have a 13 and a half foot or 14 foot uh, two-hander and you're going old school Skagit, Skagit long is good for those. Uh, 13 to, in, and you could still cast a traditional Skagit uh, head on 13 and 13 and a half foot rods, but that 13 foot range, 12 and a half to 13 foot range, you're looking at uh, standard length Skagit 23 feet. And then uh, a Skagit short is really handy for switch rods 11 to 11 and a half feet. Uh, and you can even cast shorts on those longer rods, but you run the risk of blowing your anchor uh, on those. And that means just removing uh, contact with the water during your cast. And Skagit's out casting is sustained anchor casting. Fly has to stay in the water during your cast setup of both um, the D loop and in all the way into the delivery that fly has to maintain contact with uh, the water. Common problem among neophyte spay casters is blowing the anchor. Shorter heads, people tend to blow the anchor. So, uh, head length, Skagit shorts are great for the switch rods, 11 and 11 and a half feet if you want to get you know great distance performance out of your switch rod or your short spay. To be thinking uh, Skagit short, Rio Skagit Max shorts are a great choice. There's some other ones. Uh, Rio just makes a lot of stuff, and we, we keep a pretty good inventory of that, so you can always buy Rio with us. Uh, we sell Airflow and some SA products as well, just FYI. Uh, so the traditional Skagit heads, advantages to those is your versus the micro Skagit stuff that I'll talk about in a minute, is you don't have to retrieve as much line between swings. If your head is, say, 10 feet longer uh, or 6 feet longer, that's several less strips that you have to do. More importantly, however, they are much more stable in flight they fly prettier, they tend to lay out better, and you don't get as much bounce back um, out of longer heads. Bounce back is where you you rear back, you make your cast, and you may have overpowered it a little bit, and it shoots out there, and it gets to the end, which feels great as a caster to you know cast it all of your shooting line to the point of no slack. But when it gets to the end, if that mass is distributed in over a shorter area, like a sh- extremely short head, like a 12-foot head, it's going to bounce back and it makes a bunch of slack and a bunch of ugliness happening in your cast. And it doesn't unfurl quite as nice with those short heads. So a traditional Skagit head or even a Skagit, you know, long, um, closer to 25 or 28 feet, uh, unfurls much cleaner. It presents nicer and you don't get that bounce back. And Shorter lines are just chunkier, and chunkier isn't always good. So traditional Skagit heads are great. They unfurl nice. They're a great delivery mechanism. Much like a longer wheelbase vehicle, if you can think about it in these terms, a longer wheelbase vehicle screaming down the road on even an icy road, a longer wheelbase vehicle is always going to be more stable because it's got the front and the back end are much further apart, and it's not as squirrely. You take a you know a Suzuki Samurai and you zip that thing at high speed down an icy road and you are going to be all over the place. I know, I drove one of those damn things in college. It's scary as could be. Uh, they can go upside down and sideways real fast. <laughs> Terrible vehicle, by the way. Thing had a 1.3 liter engine. And of course, I couldn't help but have big tires on it. And so my top speed was like 
I could go 60 if I tailgated a semi or I had it going downhill. Top speed, 60 miles an hour. And I used to drive that thing over uh, this big pass out here on the interstate. And I had to find just the right semi to drive behind. Uh, but God, I got great mileage putting around the hills and going fishing and doing local stuff. Kind of miss it. It's like a le- street legal go-kart. Um, but anyway, short wheelbase vehicles are, you know, kind of squirrely, they go sideways, they are wobbly, and that's kind of what we're looking at when we, t- when we think about micro Skagit is short, extremely short wheelbase vehicle. And, uh, the longer the head, the longer the wheelbase, the more stable it is in flight and generally the cleaner it unfurls. Uh, and then Scandinavian style heads and casting, which I'm not going to dive into that here, but. Just so you know, that's one of the beautiful things about the Scandinavian style heads and traditional spay heads is they're extremely stable on long flight, in long flights, and they unfurl beautiful, they land softer and cleaner, and then you have less line to strip up between casts. So, and ultimately you can get greater distance at a longer heads. Uh, but when it comes to the new school stuff, um, little squirrely, you get a little bounce back out of it, uh, they're certainly are some pros um that the pros of that they certainly have a immense application on small to mid-sized water uh because frankly I'll, I'll summarize it like this if if i took you out and i was guiding you and i said oh yeah okay frank just take and take your single-handed rod here and the strategy is going to be to just cast it as far as you possibly can and don't ask questions just step in the river no matter what the structure looks like and just cast it as far as you possibly can uh it would require uh, a lot of trust on your part in order to do that, but it would probably be one of the most ludicrous pieces of advice you'd ever heard. Uh, because we're very familiar with single-handed rods as to doing you know, what all that little fishy stuff looks like, the mending, the short cast, the upstream mends, the downstream cast, and all that little stuff in between. We're so comfortable with our single-handed rods that we know what to do. With two-handed rods, most people just simply cast for distance and hope for the best. And we need to do all of the same fishy little stuff with space shooting heads that we do with our uh, single-handed rods. And that's where these new school micro schedule lines really come into play is all of that structure that you've been throwing over the top of, those boulder piles, those ledges, uh casting up under trees and all that little stuff. You can do all of that on small to mid-sized water with those little heads because you can actually make a short cast. With um, you know a, a full-blown traditional Skagit at say 25 feet uh, plus another you know 10 or 15 of you know sink tip leader, maybe even 20 if you're throwing a 15 foot tip and a five foot leader, you're getting out there at like 40 feet and casting 30 feet with a 40 foot setup is it's tedious. It's not fun. It's not comfortable. You're not effective. Uh, versus you take your little, you know, 11 foot, you know, switch rod with a micro, you know, uh, a 15 foot micro skagit head on there and a short sink tip, uh, you know, a 10 foot sink tip and a leader. You can actually cover some of that stuff up close you can start to kind of get back to the roots of fly fishing, and that's doing all the strategic little fishy stuff as far as technical mending, uh, side drifting, soft drifting, slow swinging. Um, you know, thinking of your fly and your, your weighted fly and sink tip as a scoop as much as a swing, and you can do a lot more of that fishy stuff with those little heads. So on small to mid-sized water, those micro scouted heads offer some immense advantages because you can fish up close. Uh, and, and fish really tighten, like I said, do a lot of that little fishy stuff where raw distance is not really that critical. Most, most even steelhead, uh, and we're going to apply this to trout, salmon, steelhead, smallmouth, um, any river species where we can present a swinging fly. Uh, most of those fish are not caught at extreme distance. Most of them are caught up close at, you know, sometimes point blank distance, you know, just the head. Point blank for spay is just the head in the running line a short cast where you can control it. Uh, so lots of advantage to those micro Skagit heads in that sense. And there's another great advantage that I'll talk about in just a moment. The other advantage is we can take those micro Skagit heads and uh, 
Lighter rods don't typically cast heavy flies and heavy sink tips nearly as well. Uh, those are generally reserved for heavier rods. Uh, and with uh, a head that can that can handle it. So scadget heads equal heavy flies, typically speaking. Doesn't mean that's all you have to do. But uh, what I'm trying to allude to is with especially trout spay uh, applications, trout can sometimes desire a pretty large weighted fly. Um, even mid-sized rainbows lead surprisingly big sculpin patterns. And sometimes much I fish bigger flies for trout than I do for steelhead. And, but I want to be able to catch trout with a light rod. I want to be able to use maybe a two or three weight trout spay or maybe my five weight single handed rod, but I still want to propel a pretty large weighted sculpin and a sink tip. Uh, those micro skagit heads, by shortening that head and giving me a little closer connection with that fly, I am now able to utilize those light rods and heavier flies. So that is another big advantage is I can use a light rod by employing a micro skagit head like the OPST Commando head, the Rio uh, Trout Max head uh, is another one, the Airflow Skagit Scout to a degree, although that one is a little bit longer, it works better for light two-handed rods that are a little bit longer, like the Skagit Scout on any trout spay in the 11 and a half foot range, uh, or, or even longer. Uh, but we can take our lightweight rods, even down to a three-weight single-handed rod, and we can put a little micro skagit head on that thing. And I can take—I can literally take my three-weight single-handed rod, and I can put like a little 150-grain uh, micro skagit head on that thing with some 25-pound uh, running line, and I can turn that three-weight into a great little streamer rod if I'm catching, you know, 10 to 14-inch or 16-inch, shoot, even bigger. Um, even 18 inch trout and I can take my three weight and I can have a great time casting and catching a lot of the smaller ones, the 10 inch trout on, you know, streamers, uh, with a three weight. And, uh, I went and did a, a great trip in lower Yakima two summers ago. Lower Yakima river is a great smallmouth bass river with the guys that build these OPST lines. And we went through three weight lines with sink tips all day long and caught tons of smallmouth on three-weight single-handed rods because we were able to to take those rods and really turn them into a little streamer rocket uh, by putting the right line on there. So that's the other really interesting thing about these micro skagit heads is they can take a, a lightweight rod and give it the ability to throw some bigger flies and shoot some line, uh, especially in situations where a lot of the fishermen listening might, you might be fishing small to mid-sized brush choked rivers and you want to be able to swing flies or strip flies and be able to, to launch them out there. Uh, that micro skagit game, there's, there's a lot to be, to be gained from considering that type of line system. So, uh, you know, the cons are that it's, it's short, chunky, wobbly, doesn't take flight for long distance all that well. That's really the only downsides that I think from a pure raw fishing standpoint. Those micro skagit heads are awesome. Uh, you can get uh, those those micro skagit or, you know, pure skagit or new school skagit, a bunch of cute names for those things. Uh, you can get those in a couple of different models. The most popular ones with us are going to be the Wolf uh, Ambush Triangle Taper Short and the Scientific Anglers Spay Light. Those, there's some other ones. We sell some other ones. Forgive me for not mentioning them, uh, but those are the two most popular. Uh, the, the, by customer choice, those seem to be the ones that, that people gravitate towards. So hopefully that explains um, some of those uh, differences or nuances. If you want a great line selection chart for this, and don't overthink the grain weights. God, that drives me crazy. Don't microanalyze the grain weights. From the weight of your fly, your tippet, your particular model of rod, how deep you weighed, your casting style, your particular cadence or tempo, all of that changes on a cast-by-cast -cast basis, it seems like. Just go to our website, our online store, redsflyfishing.com is the direct URL to our online store. Go down to the bottom, and I'm even going to look at exactly what the link says right now. But it says something like, Trout spay uh, lines, trout spay and switch rod line selection chart, but it even says something about uh, it even says something about 
single-hand line selection chart. And I'm going to look at exactly what the link looks like. Go to redsflyfishing.com, scroll to the bottom. There's a little area called Angler's Resources. Trout, spay, and switch rod line selection chart. You're going to click that open. And this is a chart that Craig put together. Guy we keep locked up in the basement. Our token, wise, old spay guru. Love that guy. Uh, as most of you do too. Uh, a lot of you worked with him on getting your gear. So uh, it's a PDF. You're going to download it. It's just going to say your rod on the side. We only segment uh, exact models of rod by brand for two instances. And that's the Echo TR2 because those are pretty high octane. Everything else we found to fall pretty well with this in this category. Uh, so it says your rod on the side. You're either going to have like a two-weight switch, two to eight-weight switch, and then single-hand two to nine-weight, <clears throat> and, uh, and then single-hand ten-foot and eight-weights are a little bit different. And then there's uh, some other notes with some asterisks on the bottom. But anyway, when it comes to exact grain weight, jump on our online store, scroll to the bottom, look at that chart if you're shopping it and you want to match the right tip and the right lineup. It's a great resource. Okay. Lastly, I'm going to touch on uh, getting some sink tips. So, uh, when you get this system, Skagit-style heads are going to, when when there are grain weight assumption, uh, recommendations made, it's going to assume that you're going to add some type of sink tip to complete the system and make it whole, essentially. So, you're going to buy your sink tip. And you're now going to need to put, or, or excuse me, you're going to buy your shooting head and you're going to need to marry some type of tip on there. Okay. Uh, I'm going to try to summarize this as short as I can and make it useful for you. So one, even if you already own a line, okay, maybe you already have a setup. Maybe you're not in love with it. Hell, maybe you are in love with it. Just go to that chart and you can reference the type of line and rod weight you have. And we're going to recommend the exact sink tip system uh, for you to be able to, to, to complete your line system. So say, let's just say, for instance, you've got a three-weight switch rod or trout spay. Okay? Uh, you're going to have a 200, somewhere between a 200 and 250 grain um, pure Skagit head on there. Uh, you're going to want uh, 55 grain uh, in-touch replacement tips. If you're going to use a 10-foot in-touch replacement tip, they're going to be the number 5 through the three-weight switcher trout spit. If you're going to go with a 12-foot um, tip, you're going to want the 96-grain OPST. Uh, if you're going to want to utilize the Rio Mo system, you're going to want a light tip. So all of those recommendations are on there, okay? But I'm going to explain some of the... <laughs> the the details behind all this stuff so first let's dive into this real mo tip thing because that confuses people to no end uh so real mo tip system what is it so real mo tips they're great system they were invented so, so if you have a spay head most of these spay heads are designed to be cast with a 10 foot tip you, even if you wanted uh Say, let's say you wanted to fish a, a two-foot sink tip. Just you wanted to hang your fly behind a rock or behind a log. You could throw two feet of sink tip on that head, but the cast simply isn't going to work because you can't make contact with the water. You have to have 10 feet of tip on those heads in order to make them work. That's how they've been built and engineered. And it's, it's just a mess if you don't have at least a 10-foot tip on most of these. So the real mo tips were really designed for anglers to be able to have a lot of mending control and and precise control of their fly and how it swings through the current so what they did is they said okay we need a 10 foot tip but we don't always want 10 feet of sinking sometimes i want two feet two and a half feet of sink tip sometimes i want five feet of sink tip sometimes i want seven and a half feet of sink tip sometimes i want all 10 to feet to be sink tip but i want those options and so what they did is they built these sink tips that are partially sinking partially floating that are all still 10 feet long to make the cast work, but they just have different permutations of, you know, two and a half feet of sinking, two or five feet of sinking, seven and a half feet. Now within that, they had to build them for different rod weights. And so what they did is they categorized them as light, medium, heavy, extra heavy. Light means lightweight rods. Medium 
means medium weight rods. Heavy means heavyweight rods. Extra heavy is like the super, you know, granddaddy of heavyweight rods. So light doesn't have really much of anything to do with the sink sink rate. Uh, it, it's they sink a little slower than the heavies, but that's not really the, the the point here. The point is light means lightweight rod, medium medium weight rod, heavy, and so on and so forth. So that adds a lot of confusion. People look at these MoTips and they think, oh, I want to sink fast. I need the heavy. Now you need the heavy if you have a heavy rod. So uh, look at our chart and you'll see the recommendations of of light versus heavy. Um, you can you can check that out and see what parameters your your line and your rod fit for MoTips. Okay, so that's the story on MoTips. They call them like T8, T11, T14, T17. That's how many grains per inch it is. You don't really need to worry about that. If you if you want to know more about it, there's great places to read about it. Um, but I'm not going to get into that light, medium, heavy, extra heavy. They designed it to be simple. Let's not talk about grains per inch. So that's the purpose of MoTips. MoTips are partially sinking, partially floating, so that you have a lot of control. If you're going to pick apart boulder piles, you know ledges and structure and things like that, the MoTip system is awesome for that. Uh, the next thing uh, that I'll talk about is uh, these in-touch replacement tips by Rio. Uh, I really like the in-touch replacement tips. I think that they're a fantastic way for people to um, essentially customize their uh, their system, uh, you can go and you can get intermediate tips. So let's just say you have one of those integrated Skagit heads, a wolf or a spay light or whatever it is, and you want to go do some lake fishing. Um, well, you can go and you can get a 15-foot intermediate in-touch replacement tip and throw it on the end of your ambush line, and now all of a sudden you got a pretty sweet lake line. Uh, so the in-touch replacement tips, you can customize and modify uh, your lines, you can get them. They sink it up to six inches per second. Uh, they make them to floating, intermediate, uh, an S3, which is three inches per second, six inches per second. I think they're awesome. You can get them for any rod weight. I think uh, they're a fantastic investment for anybody, regardless whether you're in the spay thing or not. Uh, I think they're great because you can loop to loop them uh, on the end of most floating lines. And while they don't cast like a dream, they do cast. And you can always have a couple of them in your fanny pack. That's right, fanny pack. You know you own one. <laughs> uh, you can always have a couple in your fanny pack. And you can throw that thing on the end of your line if you need to convert to a sink tip uh, on short notice. So uh, the last thing, which you can also do and you can convert most lines into some type of syncing mechanism uh, or sync tip line system is uh, Versa leaders or poly leaders. They are one and the same, just two different branding, uh, different branding by different manufacturers. Is the such a common point of confusion is like what you know? What's the mo? You know, do I need mo uh, or do I need a sync tip? You know, uh, OPST makes sync tips as well. Uh, they're, they're categorized as riffle, uh, run and bucket, which is a great way to name them. Uh, the riffle sinks slow, the run sinks medium, the bucket sinks fast. They're all 12 feet long with the exception of some of their micro stuff. Uh, just go to that chart at the bottom of our online store, please. Uh, so the Versa leader poly leader deal is this. So Versa leaders and poly leaders are fundamentally different than a sink tip. They're not really designed to have mass or weight built into them. Uh, if, you know, things that are floating can weigh the same as things that are sinking. So a 10-foot floating tip and a 10-foot sinking tip are going to weigh the same. Uh, the sinking tip just has greater density, so it sinks. So uh, just understand that, you know, floating tips still weigh the same as the sinking tips uh, in most applications. A poly leader, however, does not really have that overall weight built into it. It's just a very skinny, somewhat dense line. It's built on a monofilament core. The the Versa leaders or poly leaders can be used on any rod weight. They're not really meant to complete a Skagit line system and make it whole. They're generally meant for Scandinavian style lines uh, or traditional spay lines. But you can absolutely use them on lighter weight Skagit setups, and they still 
work for that because they do have uh, some grain weight with them. I think they weigh somewhere between 70 and 80 grains on average. Uh, but they don't, they're not built on a braided core. They're not meant to turn over large weighted flies. They are meant to fly through the air with great efficiency because they're very skinny. They land very soft. They work very well for small, sparse, unweighted flies, but they're not rod weight specific. You just get the sink rate you want in the length you want, and you can throw them on your lightweight space stuff. And I'm just going to throw a number out here. I'm just going to say on lines that are 250 grains on down, they tend to work really well. You start getting into heavier spay rods, say six weight switch rods on up, and you're going to really, you're going to really notice the difference. And you're going to see that I do need a true sink tip, either a mo tip or a sink tip to complete this system. So, uh, but they're great. I think every angler needs to have, uh, you know, a handful of Versa leaders, uh, couple of couple of sink tips uh for various situations and you know i really encourage people to experiment with the shooting head thing so uh we got some great resources on our website for getting this stuff uh chosen and uh you know always you know follow us on youtube subscribe to our channel uh follow us on instagram like or follow us on facebook and then check out redsflyshop.com slash blog uh that's where i'll post this uh, podcast, uh, and then collecting comments, you know, further questions for other podcasts, uh, or encouragements, uh, love to hear from you guys there. I love doing this. Want to help you guys out and, uh, just looking forward to more great questions and, uh, we'll catch up in a couple of days. Uh, but that's all for now. Good luck out there fishing tight lines.